0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we're going to be going up into the Salt and Light treasure vault and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the spring of 2019. We begin by speaking with Sean Patrick. He's the author of the beloved Catholic Digest monthly column titled Patrick's Corner. Sean is retiring from writing Patrick's Corner, and so it's great to speak to him about the last 32 years of writing. And then we meet and listen to music by singer-songwriter John Paul Von Arx. In our second half hour, author Alison Fogg-Carlson tells us about Homeboy Industries and the work that they do with ex-gang members in East LA. And at the end of the program, we meet singer-songwriter Lee Ressler. We begin now with Patrick's Corner. Patrick's Corner was a chunk of sidewalk in a busy street corner in Cleveland. And this is where the six Patrick brothers shined shoes and sold newspapers to passers-by, handing down the torch from the eldest, Tommy, to Billy, then to David, then Kevin and Danny, and last of all to the youngest, Sean. This was life as an Irish Catholic in post-Second World War II Cleveland. The Patrick brothers grew up with their widowed mother in a small apartment. Sean Patrick, the youngest as an adult, began writing stories from his youth and introduced us to many characters from his life growing up. His friends Bloke, Charlie, Victor, and Regan, his priests, his adventures in altar serving, the nuns who taught him, his friend, the son of the Presbyterian minister, and even his Jewish neighbors. The stories are wonderful and Sean Patrick wrote them for over 30 years published monthly in the Catholic Digest since 1987. Last month was the last installment of Patrick's Corner, and so we wanted to speak to Sean Patrick, and I did so earlier this week. Sean Patrick, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour.
1: That seems like a very beautiful introduction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, it's so good to have you on the program. Um uh, how did you start writing uh, Patrick's Corner?
1: I uh, look back on it and try to figure out how I started writing this thing. It came out of nowhere. <clears throat> I uh, liked. To, I, I was the youngest in the family. So yes, you know, I was floating around, and I. Uh, I like to write. I liked to, I was working on a little few few little things, and finally, I decided. Gee, I had to write about this crazy family of mine. Yeah, this might. It was something that I could write, and I knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it seems like it was a lot of fun. I just did it. I bought an old. Computer. It was a K Pro. Okay. Things that, ancient things. Yes. And I I uh, typed that just to see what it came to, and I did this uh, on the spur of the moment. And someone, my uh, wife,
2: <laughs> to yes, me, someone, yes,
1: <laughs> said, "Why don't you write about the kids and the family and see what we can come up with?" Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what we did. I uh, typed my manuscripts and uh, tried to put some uh, things in that the people would like. And uh, I tossed a manuscript to Catholic Digest. Right. They were that was a old old magazine at the time. Yes. nineteen uh, eighty six. Yes. I mean, was the first one that I put in. Yes. And I put in this thing, and uh, boy, they wrote back to me and said, well, we're gonna give you $100 for this manuscript, (laughs) that's that's fine with me.
3: Wow. I'm
1: I'm happy with that.
3: Wow. And
1: I took 100 bucks for them, and they uh, put that in the magazine, and it was something about what happened when uh in in our uh, neighborhood
0: yes how do you, do you remember the first story that you wrote?
1: I sure do what was I it? sure do uh it was I'm trying to remember the title of it uh-huh. it was it was about uh, an old man that uh, bought my newspapers from me. Yes. I was a kid that I sold newspapers and i yeah. And uh, he was a really nice old guy. He was an old Jewish guy. Yes. And he just kept saying and encouraging me to work and to work for my nickel that I got for <laughs> shoeshine. Yeah. And uh, this went on for a long time. hmm And uh, all of a sudden, he wasn't there anymore. hmm and I went to. Uh, I was concerned. One of my customers <laughs> yeah. turned out he he had died during the night, and he had left a little note for me, paper boy. And uh, it was just something that struck me so very strongly mm-hmm. that this man would think of taking care of me, this dumb Irish kid. Yeah. And uh, it went from there. I. Yeah. Magazine uh, picked it up.
2: Uh huh. They
1: liked it and they said, well, you do any more? I said, well, I probably could. (laughs) And, uh. Yeah. I soon went down and, uh, talked to my brothers and we had a. uh, we, 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 we would, uh, Talk about uh, the crazy things that I was doing or they were doing, yeah. what we were doing, and about our church. Mm-hmm. We were uh, typically Irish and everything else. And we couldn't do anything else. Right. So I could write the thing. <laughs> and I so, had a good book.
0: You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. This is Deacon Pedro. I'm speaking with Sean Patrick about growing up Catholic in America in Cleveland specifically now Sean, you said that yeah. I mean I'm always amazed because for thirty years you wrote I don't know how many stories how do you remember oh I know you said you spoke to your oh. brothers but did you keep notes or a diary when you were growing up no no, no so I, you remember I, I, everything
1: I remembered I re, it was just something that came into my mind and the things would come up and wow. uh, I had so many friends and everything. Mm-hmm. We had probably one of the most uh, homogeneous yeah. uh, group of yes. people in the neighborhood. Yes. We had It was Irish Catholic for most of it, but we also had a Lutheran church. We had a uh, Jewish synagogue, yeah. and we had a little Presbyterian church, and they all had kids in them, and yeah. we were all playing baseball with those kids and everything. So that's what caused us to become really, uh, it was like a neighborhood story.
0: Right, yeah.
1: And what we were doing and what people liked. And all of a sudden we started getting, uh, the people tried to uh, get in touch with me.
0: Right, send you mail,
1: and uh-huh. I would tell them, you know, and I, I got hundreds of uh, fan mail. I can hundreds imagine. of letters over yes. the years. Yes, I've uh, made a. I think I was a little under four hundred stories. Amazing. In my, in my.
0: Yes, and they're not just they're not yeah. just they're not just good stories. It's obviously very well written, but every story has a lesson. You you not only remember That's what true. happened, but you learn something as you grew up in this
1: place. That's right, and I I, I was doing, and I went into the police department, and I mm-hmm. I just enjoyed what I was doing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the kids would my friends would call me my brothers. They would mm-hmm. talk about uh, well, what about this? What about that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we had some pretty outstanding people. Yeah. That I grew up with, now i I was one of the dump Dumbos. I was <laughs> I was the cop, you know, right? my old, oldest brother was a a lawyer, and he was, he was a judge, and then two firemen in the family, a professor, wow. accountant. And they were good, but and we had other people in there that we just loved. We yeah. were all like one big family. you were and and my best f- friend was bloke. He was right. my best friend. Yeah. His yes. real name wasn't Bloke, it was Gerald, but yeah. we called him called bloke. Them bloke. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and through your writing, you they almost became part of our family as well. Um bloke. what you, Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Sean? Um, what did growing up in that place, you know, in Cleveland at that specific time, because I think that it's because it was after World War II, it also makes a difference. What did it teach you about how we are called to live our Catholic faith today.
1: We were very strongly Catholic in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And and all these other families that were in other religious backgrounds or something, yeah. they were just as important as we were. Yeah. And we became all of us became very uh, strong in our Mm faiths. And we had a time when Catholics and others had a good time being friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Second World War was going on strong and everything. We worked together. We had... uh, the kids, we've got a national uh, magazine. I don't remember where it came from or anything else. But they uh, took us and our kids as yeah you know, kids that were trying to help what they called the, uh, oh, what was the name they use It was a they found any way they could help in the, uh, the war effort. That's yeah. what they called it. And right. we got in a magazine and everything else. We got a page in the newspaper and all that. We used to pick up cans of grease oh, yeah. and take them. To, I don't know what they did with them, but with the huh. boys, we used to take them in my wagon and take that stuff right. down there, and we had a great time. Right, Doing that. And uh, women used to make bandages and all that stuff.
0: And the relationship you had with your priests and the sisters that taught you at the the, schools?
1: We had a fantastic group of priests. Yes. And And when you have all these things that I hear about from others nowadays... I'm looking at my priests, and God, they were people that were made to work for us and with us. They right. were fantastic. Right. We never had a bad one on the thing.
0: And I think you can say the same about the sisters that taught you as well, right? The, the
1: sisters were. Oh my God! My, I'll tell you about my wife. Yes. My wife was a nun. Wow. My wife was if she who will yeah. So, I met her after she came out of the convent and all that. Right. I never met her before and wow, hey, this is pretty good. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> and uh we got married. Uh I met I was a policeman and I was taking the night off on New Year's Eve because I didn't want to go roaming and roaming around. I was gonna mm-hmm. stay home. Yeah. And take care of my mother. Yes. And my mother wanted to go somewhere else. And she says, well, you come along with us, my other, one of my brothers and uh, sister, and we'll go to a a restaurant. Yeah. And this very, very dumb thing, you know, and I says, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And they said, well, come on, we want you to come. Okay. So finally I said I would. And they said, oh, by the way, we're bringing someone else that you could be her date. <laughs> her name is Pat Doherty, and she is uh, an Irish uh, teacher. Right? She, they didn't tell me she was uh, just out of the convent. Yeah. But they hung up the phone then, and they wouldn't answer the phone, and so I had to, have, I had had to, to do go. what they wanted me to do. They set you up. Yeah. Set me up right. And the Day after New Year's, I went and had another date with her. And wow! Monday after that, I went and met her family. <laughs> wow! And six months later, we were married. Wonderful! It was fantastic, and we had a good, good marriage. Yes, a long, long well, forty-two marriage. years. 42 but then years. she, she died. Yes. But it was a fantastic thing. Yes. She was hard on me. My God, that Irish woman. There,
0: <laughs> there you go. You, you, you have to now start a whole new <laughs> series about writing stories from your married life. Um, Sean, that's all the time we have. It's been such a pleasure finally speaking with you. Um, we're, we're sad that the stories are ending, but there's so many stories that we can read them over and over and over again. Thank you for sharing a little bit of that with us.
1: Sure. Thank you, thank you very much. I enjoy talking with. You. Yes, that
0: was a conversation I had with Sean Patrick earlier this week. Sean Patrick is the author of Patrick's Corner, a monthly column published in the Catholic Digest for over 30 years. The last installment of Patrick's Corner ran in the magazine last month. You can try to find the collection of stories, The Best of Sean Patrick: Memories of Growing Up Catholic published by 23rd Publications or you can visit CatholicDigest.com where they will continue posting Patrick's Corner Stories every month. If you missed any part of this conversation or if you want to hear it again go to our website saltandlighttv.org radio Coming up is our featured Artist of the Week John Paul von Arx so here he is with He's Different from his debut album Breakthrough
4: When I was 14, my mom told me that she was pregnant again She and my dad were worried because the new life inside was different Nine months later, when I was at school, my brother was born I got the news The night when I held him The very first time He was different Oh, he's different Different than me
0: John Paul Von Arks with He's Different from his album Breakthrough. He wrote that song about his uh, little brother, Sam. John Paul Von Arks comes from a large family in Illinois. He grew up playing in a family band and then performed with uh, the country band Back Country Roads as their lead guitar player. He attended Franciscan University in Steubenville and then joined the Catholic band The Thirsting that we've featured on this program a few times. And all that led to today to the recording of his first album, Breakthrough, that we've been listening to. And so it's a real pleasure to welcome John Paul von Arks to our program. JP, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour.
5: Hey, thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. It's so good to be here.
0: It is. So, large family, nine kids. You have eight brothers and sisters?
5: That's correct, yeah.
0: That's crazy. So, Catholic family, I'm assuming.
5: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and you <laughs> guys... Grew up going to daily mass, all that. Yeah. Daily
0: mass. Were you homeschooled? No. Oh yeah. Yeah. Are you you serious?
5: Check like all the boxes.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh! So and but you played. You were like the Von Trapp. You the Partridge Family. You also had a family (laughs) band.
5: You know, you're not. You're definitely not the first to make that uh, comparison. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We had like a. We played fifties music around town, uh, Rockford, Illinois, where I'm from. So we yeah we had like this fifties rock band. So it was like Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley, Buddy Holly, and we would just go around town entertaining. It it was so much fun. It was my so. Two, two, of my brothers, okay. my sister, and my dad would play. It was so much
0: fun. Okay, so it wasn't the whole family, but but it was a family band. No, yeah,
5: yeah, it wasn't like you know a descending order, like all the people <laughs> on the left
0: side and it goes down to the surface. No, okay. <laughs> so, um, so were you were you guys doing like music lessons? Did you pick up because you're a guitar player? How how early were you playing the guitar?
5: Mm, so I started playing guitar when I was 11. Uh, okay. So. Um, and I, I really learned guitar from, um, my uncle taught me a few chords and he's a very accomplished professional musician. Okay. Um, and so he taught me a few chords and he's also my godfather. So we had uh-huh. kind of that connection. And so he took me under his wing. And then from there, I really, um, I just, I started listening to more and more country music, actually picking up uh, country music guitar licks. And that's what yeah. really got me hooked. Yeah. Uh, I just love playing guitar. I love entertaining and, uh, playing lead guitar is like, one of my absolute favorite things to do. But I learned guitar from piano, which I started when I was okay, seven. Okay, so you were playing so. piano
0: first. Um, I guess everybody mm-hmm. in the family was doing music lessons. You had
5: to go to piano lessons, right? Yeah, pretty much, except my one of my sisters, she's just beneath me in age. Her name is Catherine. And, yeah. And uh, she's a dental student at Marquette, but we, we always said she's tone deaf, but everyone else uh, <laughs> can play music, so... That's okay. She's,
0: (laughs) she's making more money than everybody else. (laughs) Oh, everyone combined. Let's just be real about it.
5: So, you know, she gets the last laugh.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like such a fun, you know, kind of growing up sounds like fun. Did you ever have, you know, like as an adolescent issues or questioning or doubting your faith or any, anything like that?
5: You know, not, not really. Um, it, it, not not until a little bit later in life, I think, but like as like a you know in high school and and before then or even in, even through my college time, yeah. Um, it was always pretty straightforward. I I really I really you know I, I love the faith so much. I've always felt very close to Jesus and Mary, um, in a, in a very personal way. It's not just like you know checking the boxes or going through the motions. Like I right. really I really just I believe that I believe that I believe and I know that I know that I know that, I know that Jesus is in the Eucharist and. That, that's my lifeline. It's gotten me through so many things. Um, however, um, you know, I think w- one of the most challenging times of my life was actually about 18 months ago. Um, my brother, Max, he passed away tragically in a hiking accident. And right. that was that was a really tough time. We wow. were both living in Steubenville. Um, I was okay. teaching a uh, choir out there when I yeah. wasn't on the road. And, uh, and he was a freshman at Franciscan University in Steubenville. And um, it was just two months into his freshman semester. And then he he was on spring break and he passed away, and and it was during that time of right. Uh, there was just so many, so much questioning, and I never doubted the faith at all, but it was just such a strange, um, strange thing to know like Jesus loves us so much, right. he cares for us, he provides, you know. But also, there's so much like pain and suffering in this moment, and um, reconciling those two things was a very, very challenging and, and painful process, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But. I, Jesus is faithful and he has really just, he's been so faithful to me. I've not ever been disappointed in, in his plan and his provision because I seriously, like he, it's not, it's not what I would have chosen, of course, no. but he, you know, just knowing that he's got me and the family and he's got my brother, Max, um, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. you know, that, that's what, you know, really keeps me going is, is Jesus Christ. Cause I mean, <laughs> that was the lowest of the low time for me. And um, yeah. I can't imagine ever, ever going through something like that without mm. without my Catholic faith, without daily communion, you, you without wondered, the Eucharist.
0: Yeah, I know, and I'm sorry to hear about your brother, but uh, yeah, I don't know how Thanks. people that people that have no faith. I don't know how they do it. Um, yeah, you, you said it was eight months ago. So what had oh, your, 18 months ago. Eighteen months ago. So you must have been right in the middle of recording the album, or um, where, where were you?
5: Absolutely. Yeah. It actually, it was almost done, and he would he would come to the studio with me, and yeah. Um. Yeah. And and funny enough, you know, the song Breakthrough that we're featuring on the show. Yeah. Um, it's a song I wrote while I was at Franciscan and I never understood why I wrote that song. Yeah. Um, and Max knew that song too. And we'd uh he'd go in the studio and listen to it and he, he would share it. It was my first single and he, he was just all about sharing it and helping out his brother. But I never knew why I wrote that song and it's a song about longing to understand, you know like how God works, even if we don't understand, you know, like for me in the suffering, understanding and not understanding how, how, how it all is going to come together, but still trusting and say, I still have faith. That's what that song's about. And Mm -hmm. I never really had a reason to write it, but then after he passed away, it just was like, it perfectly articulated that whole process for me of, of grieving him so much and missing him, but still like trusting God. So that song is, it's really funny. I think it was a gift to me, you know, before, before, um, yeah. Yeah, before he passed, so that was it's kind of yeah interesting. But yeah, I was recording. He knew all the songs. He's a great drummer, so yeah. he didn't actually record on the album, but um, he knew huh. the songs very well.
0: Wow, I'm sure he's still cheering for you. Um, yeah, yeah,
5: oh, yeah, in a better
0: place to cheer for him. Um, did you? Because because you were, I, don't, I mean, I don't, you went to Steubenville. I'm not, I'm not sure. Did you study music or what were you studying?
5: No, you know, I actually studied catechetics.
0: Okay so mm-hmm. so so but you obviously already had a music career to a certain degree you were you had played with that country music band and then you played with the thirsting um what mm-hmm. what what changed or what kind of shifted that made you want to go solo to do your own recordings
5: um there's a variety of reasons um you know i i just you know sometimes i think the lord's just been stirring in my heart for a long time to just to, to share i there's something about when you're you're on stage and you're in front of a group of people and you have a really really unique opportunity and um i i think that it's a responsibility um really to 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 be a light you know and uh. Uh, a light in the darkness you know everyone's going through something and i found as a lead guitar player i had the ability to do that but a limited ability now right um because you know i i didn't necessarily have a microphone all the time and but now it's, it's funny because like I can share um, I can share about my faith I can share about life I can just get people laughing yeah. my show is very engaging and it's fun and, yeah. and, that's, uh, and that's what I want I want people to come and just be, just be fulfilled but we'll also go a little bit deeper um, and I, I like the freedom that that allows me and um, I like being able to play the music that I think um, mm-hmm. is important you yeah.
0: know so, did you get it did, when, before, before this album were you uh, composing already did you have your own music
5: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I had I had my own music. I just had never published any of it. Right. So this the first time I'd actually recorded, but I wrote
1: the songs, so yeah. they're all original.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't questioning that. Um, so I presume that you're maybe already writing some more and thinking about the next album?
5: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've already actually, um, I've been in the studio Yeah. about 12 demos for the next album. I don't know which ones are going to make the cut, and, Right. Um, but uh, we're in the preliminary stages. I'll say conservatively. <laughs> okay. With the second album.
0: Okay, well that's good. That's a good to know. Good excuse to bring you back in the show, so we can talk about. Yeah, oh, I love to see how the music that. goes. Um, I was going to ask you. You're from. Are you? Are you still? You're in Ohio now, or are you still in Illinois?
5: So I'm in Illinois. Um yeah. I'm Based out of Illinois. Um, yeah. Right now. Um, uh, you know, I'm on my way to Steubenville. I'm I'm going to okay. be in the house band there. Seven oh, great. conferences, so I'll just That's travel crazy. all summer long.
0: That's great. No, I was just going to say because because country music, the good country music doesn't usually come from Illinois, but but <laughs> we <laughs> but we really like your stuff. So whatever whatever you're doing, keep Thank keep you. doing it and. Uh, I'm so glad. I'll, I'll shout out to Ali Aliya, who's been on the show, uh, who, who connected us. Um, thank you, Ali, and, and great meeting you, uh, JP, and good luck. Have fun this summer.
5: Awesome. Thank you so much, Pedro.
0: You can learn more about John Paul Von Arx and his music at his website, johnpaulvonarx.com, and it's Von, V-O-N, and then separate word, A-R-X. But I'm going to put that link on our site, saltandlighttv.org, slash radio, so you can find it easily. And if you missed any part of the interview, um, you can also go to that website to listen to the full interview and to listen to the whole program, saltandlighttv.org, slash radio. Here now is John Paul Von Arx with Cell Phone Blues. From his album Breakthrough.
4: Woke up this morning, no ringing in my head. No distractions, keep me in my bed. Chunk of coffee, and I'm all set. So alive, my phone is dead. The sun is shining, I've gotta go. I can't wait to dust off that fishing pole. My boss is calling.
0: We're listening to John Paul Von Arx with Cell Phone Blues from his album Breakthrough. If you missed the beginning of the program, go to saltandlighttv.org radio. I'm Deacon Pedro. We now continue with this special best of edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. In 1988, a Jesuit priest, Father Gregory Boyle, would ride his bicycle throughout East Los Angeles trying to convince young men to leave the gangs. This was the beginning of Homeboy Industries, a place where gang members are welcomed unconditionally and can find the hope to begin again. Today, Homeboy Industries is the largest gang intervention program in the world. Alison Fogg-Carlson walked into Homeboy Industries in 2015. The result of that first encounter is a beautiful book of photos and stories titled Walking in Grace, commemorating 30 years of Homeboy Industries. To learn more, I spoke with Alison Fogg-Carlson earlier this week. Alison, welcome to the Saltonite Hour.
6: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So, we know that you went to Homeboy Industries in 2015. We know that Father Greg Boyle invited you to... But how did you end up even meeting him and being invited uh, to to see what he was doing?
6: I met um, Father Greg in Hawaii. I heard him speak, and he's a very powerful speaker, if um, anyone's ever heard him speak. Right. And I was moved, and I had completed a book on Winston Churchill um, okay. that um, was very similar to a sort of a, a vision that I had for Homeboy Industries with former gang members uh-huh. and quotes of Father Boyle. And I approached him on that, and he loved the idea, and we decided to create my book that I created for the 30-year anniversary interesting. of Homeboy.
0: So interesting. So you had the concept of the book before you even had visited Homeboy Industries.
6: I had the concept of what I had created with 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 the Churchill. previous book, yeah. However... I didn't think that I would ever be able to photograph the faces or get to the true stories or even gain the trust of the former gang members. Right. And what unfolded was that they let me photograph them, their faces. I captured their eyes.
2: Right,
0: yes. And their
6: stories and their hearts and their souls. And it, it was remarkable.
0: Absolutely. How much
6: trust they gave. To me, and how, how honest and authentic they are with their stories.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting because I was going to ask you why you decided that this was the best format to tell that story. But, but I think you just did. You just told us um, there's something about the photos and the stories. I mean, it's hard to describe here on the radio um, because it's it's like a can I call it a coffee table style book? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, hardcover, beautiful photos, lots of stories and quotes. Um, of people that you met, because this is not just you. I don't get the sense, Allison, that you, that you objectively, as an outside observer, were going in to, to do a book, that you actually got to meet these people, men and women. Tell me about these men and women that you met.
6: Well, each and every one of them opened up their hearts and their souls and their stories and shared with me. So someone asked me, which is your favorite former gang member, and I can't answer that because they're all individual stories. They've all become sort of family to me, if you will, Mm -hmm. Um, and you can't ever decide who's more important or you love more, No. but each and every one of them invited me into their homes, into their hearts, and they told me their stories, and some of them are so shaking that you you don't quite know how they can even say and utter the words, but they do, and I find that, to some degree, it's very healing. For them to say it.
0: Did you? Because obviously. i you,
6: someone to listen.
0: Yeah. Obviously, you had heard about Homeboy Industries before you met Father Boyle. And, and, and how was it? Did you expect something different when you finally visited and got to see exactly what was going on there?
6: The first time I went in, I was actually as scared. Were you? As I think everyone that was waiting for an audience with Father Boyle. Yeah. I, I come from a completely different background. Um, and I just sort of sat there, and all of these homies were sitting there waiting for an audience. Right. And they're all trying to get off drugs, come out of jail, be welcomed into Homeboy, be opened armed by a hug from Father Boyle, mm-hmm. and I was in exactly the same feeling. And um, he's just so embracive. They all are so... They just embrace you. Right. They, through all their transitions, It, it, it it's, it's really remarkable. They, it's just embracing a diversity. And it, you always feel like you're just connected to a greater humanity.
0: Hmm. Tell me, were, are there any particular stories that really stood out for you in putting the book together?
6: Well, a few of them, for certain. Yeah. Um, Slam, um, who lives in Berkeley, very close to where I live, yeah, is now in Theological University with oh,
2: wow, son. wow!
6: And he was gifted um, through scholarships. Uh, home, and it was the first time he'd not been homeless in his entire life. Hmm. And he has a son with him, and his son's going to school, and they're doing so well. But wow. I get to see them rather regularly. Right. Um, we'll go out for pizza, or I, I take them to the yeah. Churchill movie. Nice. When I first met him, he said to me, I often wonder where does one find the strength to change when life is lived so close to the pavement.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: And that is just for someone to change so radically from the pavement where he is today in theological university is mm-hmm. impressive. But it I is. find them all impressive. Yes. Um, Day who just sang me her song. She couldn't speak it to me. She took me outside and we were under a freeway and she just sang me her song. Yeah. And that was just powerful and I shall never forget that. Did you f- all very compelling stories. Yeah.
0: Were you at all surprised at how welcoming they were? I mean, we know how the Father Greg is welcoming, but at how some of these men and women were, despite their difficulties and challenges and and, and histories, that they were also very welcoming and willing to be vulnerable with you.
6: I was very surprised. Mm -hmm. I was very surprised that I could take photographs of them. I didn't think because of former gang lines that that they would want to be that exposed. Mm -hmm. But I do think that um, the fact that I had Father Greg's blessing yes. gave them the confidence or the trust in me to right. know that they could trust and be confident
0: with me. Yeah, well, they certainly trust him. Um, oh, they do. We do. They all do. Yeah, I know. And you know what? And I can I can think, well, it's been 30 years, so he's got a, a history and a legacy. So, of course, that that trust grows out of that. But he must have been that way from day one. What is it about this man, Father Gregory, Um all the G, all the names that I can't Well, he has a, a variety right? of names, right? A variety of names that he's called. Um, G-Dog. Pop, G-Dog, exactly. Dad. <laughs> um What is it about this man that makes him so, um, I guess, I don't know, that uh, that I guess makes him vulnerable to the young men and women, I guess they're not all young, that, that he serves?
6: I think the fact that he walks alongside them. Mm-hmm. You know, that he would get on a bike and not be afraid of them and, and get on and understand them. And, tr- and they trusted him and they would come with him to his stories and he didn't take it anywhere else. He didn't take it to the police right. or anything. They just completely have trusted him. And when some of these people were in prison, they would hear about that and they'd hear about him. So right. they knew when they came out that they had a safe haven to go to. Right. And he would protect them and help them. hmm And he does. And but is also very... Not hard on them, but he's he's tough. It's, it's tough love, you know. He doesn't. Yeah. It's not like he's just sitting there, you know. Oh, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. I've heard him speak harshly. Don't do that, yes. know, and things like that. So
2: yeah.
6: he's really like a really strong, powerful father figure. Yeah, to them, one that they've probably never had before.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
6: Maybe these people were offered a first chance; they never had. People talk about a second chance. They never had a first.
0: And even had, yeah. Well, for people that maybe are completely not familiar with the situation in in Los Angeles or East LA, how bad is the gang problem in East LA?
6: Well, it was bad back in 1988 when he started his
0: uh-huh. work. Yeah.
6: You know, it, it's it's definitely still exists a certain, um, but it's not as bad as it used to be.
0: Yeah, I guess because of the work of Homeboy Industries
6: homeboy and just more of the awareness
0: and people talking and right. people accepting more you know yeah I'm very to yeah very curious that he chose to call it homeboy industries and not homeboy Ministries which is what I thought it was called um and I guess that adds to the to the respect that he has for the people that he's serving that he's not doing it's not a ministry he, he's actually it's an industry where they can get work and and be employed and, and uh, make a difference.
6: And I think that's part of his mission. Is yeah. It's, um, you know, it's it's jobs, not jail.
0: Right. Jobs, not jail. If you give
6: someone a job, they've got a better likelihood of, you know, right. continuing on the path of healing.
0: Yeah. Um, in, in the little time that we have left, Allison, how, and you've said a little bit of this already, but I get the sense that this experience changed you. How has it changed you?
6: How has it changed me? Yes, meaning, oh, meaning, yes, in a, in an absolutely huge way. I I grew up, as I said, in a very, very different world, um, and just the um, family connection and how I just the diverse curiosity of all these people—they uh, just hug me, and I, they're just incredibly open, and they're authentic. They're mm-hmm. just. The, some Of the most remarkable people, it's one of the happiest places I've ever been because I've never been in a community where every single person in the room is just trying to heal and trying to transform, and they're all you know healthy now healed people. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 eye opening. I remember when I first met um, one of the quotes he had was, I know I can fly, I just need to catch a gust of wind, right? And I feel when I'm at homeboy, these people have not just flown they have
0: stored. yes it sounds like it's not just homeboy but it's also home and it's become a home for you as well
6: a little bit of a home for me yes I, yes. I cook I like the kitchen <laughs> 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 I went down on Thanksgiving and helped
0: cook. oh wonderful yeah I'd, I'd always been uh, interested in going maybe next time I'm out west I should uh book an extra day and go visit. Allison. that's all the time we have. We didn't credit the, pho- the photographer, so the, all the photos. So it's a beautiful, beautiful book, uh, photographs by Michael Colopy. And uh, the book was written by you. And of course, yep. there's a lot of Father Gregory Boyle in, in the book, as, as well as uh, of a lot of the young men and women that uh, work with him and that have uh, been served by him. Thank you for doing this, for celebrating the work, that is wonderful work that is being done. Um, in a place that is it true that it's now called Boyle Heights? Is it named after Father Greg? Yes. That's no, it's wonderful. it's not named after him. <laughs> oh, it's not <laughs> it's named after words. him. Okay. No. <laughs> but it could be. Anyway. I know. Um, well, yeah. Thank you for. It'll be for, remembered for him. Thank it will be remembered. No, thank you for sharing a little bit about this wonderful place with us today.
6: Thank you kindly.
0: That was a conversation I had with Allison Fogg-Carlson earlier this week. Her book, Walking in Grace, about homeboy industries, is published by Fog Books. You can get it at fogbooks.com. I'm going to put that uh, link on our site so you can find it easily, saltandlighttv.org. If you want to learn more about homeboy industries and the work of Father Greg Boyle, go to homeboyindustries.org. And to listen to this interview again or to listen to the rest of the program, go to our website, SaltAndLightTV. Org. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Lee Wrestler, with "What You Did" from his album Coming Home.
3: What are you doing? Is this your plan to take away and show me that the world is in your hands? Because lately, I feel like all I am is a child. So reaching above the sinking sand In the darkness I'm afraid in and out. My pride makes me believe that I deserve to wear a crown, but I deserve nothing at all. And I will
0: Lee Wrestler with What You Did from his album Coming Home. Lee Wrestler has been around for about 10, 12 years. Not sure how we've never bumped into each other, but better late than never. Lee's done it all. Lee leading worship, playing concerts, recording music, running retreats, NCYC, The Fest, Life Team, Catholic Heart Work Camps. He shared the stage with Matt Maher, Steve Curtis Chapman, Jeremy Camp, Third Day, and Mercy Me. So why don't we just go ahead and meet him? Joining me now is Lee Wrestler. Lee, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour.
7: Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. So
0: you you've been around. You've been around. You've done a lot. Uh but I wanna go even back before, you know, when you were young, what was it like growing up?
7: Uh growing up, uh, to be honest, it was it was good growing yeah. up. Um I, I didn't have you know, I didn't have too much of a relationship with God until Right. Um until high school okay. where um our campus ministry teacher introduced me to worship music okay which which was which was awesome because you know for me worship at that point in my life worship was just something that you know happened in church yeah you know I, I didn't realize the power of worship right and that worship music could be um, could be used everywhere in everyday life right well were and
0: you, sorry were, were you already doing music you're already a musician
7: Yes, yes. Yeah. So, uh, as as I was growing up, actually, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Oh yeah. Uh, but it, it turns out I wasn't very funny. So, <laughs> so that didn't work out too well. But I yeah. knew that I enjoyed, um, I, I I enjoyed bringing joy to people. Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, and I naturally, I, don't, I I just loved music. Right. Um, so you know, I had. An old guitar, and I, I started playing. I didn't know what I was doing, right? Um, and at that at that point, it was before YouTube and all these yeah. uh, different yeah. websites that could that could help teach you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just I just um, I learned to kind of do it do it by ear it, as best as I could. I would listen to a song, and I, I would think, huh, oh, well, you know, how, how could this song how could this be broken down into huh. how yeah. I could learn it? So so eventually, that just grew into. The love of music,
2: right?
0: Was it? Uh, it, it, it I mean, you d- you said you d- you didn't have you know a deep religious or personal experience with with religion or Christ or anything. But was it, were you Catholic? Was it a Catholic household?
7: Yes, yeah. yes. So I, I I grew up in and I, I say that I didn't have like a close relationship with Christ. Um, you know, I, I went to a Catholic grade school. Yeah, at that point, and that's where I loved music, but. Uh-huh. At that time, I was. It was I was so selfish, you know. I was looking at. I don't want to go to mass early yeah. in the morning. I don't yeah. want to do this. I don't want to do that. And yeah. you know, it was all about me, me, me. Yeah. And then when I entered high school and learned what worship could do, I realized that it was all about Christ. Right. And so you, when I started yeah? to put that uh, to put Christ first, then. Um, that relationship really started to grow.
0: And at that point did you start being more involved in like music ministry
7: in your parish or were you doing more? Yes, yeah. So at that point, so my uh, our campus ministry teacher um, Yeah. You know, she agreed to uh, well actually she, she asked me if I wanted to play worship music uh-huh. um, in the mornings at, in high school. Really? And so I agreed to it not really knowing what worship was and it was something something in me just clicked like this is what you are designed to do this is what you're made to do right nice. um, to worship the God who who created you right Wait. so so I began playing in our in our school and um, at different masses and, and then we had a, a worship group that that would go out and um, we would wow. do a whole bunch of ministry thing
0: uh-huh. well. nice were you composing at the time
7: yes yes I was wow you know I was I was always composing it's funny nice to to listen back to (laughs) early it uh,
0: always is Uh, yeah Yeah, to listen
7: back no
0: that's great Um, on your website I found a poster I guess um, that has the initials R-E-E-L real rejuvenate energize empower and live tell me a little bit about that where did that come from um well
7: I mean that's I, that's exactly that's that's how I was feeling before you know I was I was I entered into just adoring Christ Is mm-hmm. you know I needed uh, to be re-energized and, and so does so many people in our faith especially nowadays in our Catholic faith uh, it's you know it's, it's hard to turn on the news and watch you know everything that's going on in our faith so to be re-energized right and to be empowered um, in our faith is is a very important thing and that's where I was too I needed mm-hmm. to be re-energized I needed to be empowered in our faith but I, I didn't know what I needed to mm-hmm. be re-energized for mm-hmm.
0: So you feel that that's that's sort of the focus of your ministry then do, do you feel that that's that you feel called more to do that kind of work with young people?
7: Yes, absolutely yeah. because like I, like I said, I, the age I was when yeah. I, I I knew that I needed something deeper, mm-hmm. um, and and these these young people, oh, I mean, <laughs> you know, not much. In fact, actually, I, I was going to say not much has changed, but in fact, a lot has changed. It's right. harder. Yeah, it's harder for young people nowadays um, to 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 see God. Mm-hmm. It, you know, to to actually um, realize faith and, and realize Christ.
0: Yeah, there's so many more distractions. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, this new album. So you, this is your third album, if I'm correct. Yes. Yes. Um, coming home. Is there something about that title, "Coming Home"? That I, I can't. I don't know. I don't want to make a connection that's not there, but between kind of rejuvenating, energizing, empowering, coming home. Is there some connection? Yes,
7: actually, it, it, it there's a very big connection. So as we were beginning to write this album, I, again, I mean, and I'll say this, and I've said it before, uh, I'm not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no nobody's perfect. So even though you have this incredible relationship with Christ, there's still, you know, the world that's trying to bring you down. Uh-huh. Um, and I... It, you know at that at that point in my life when I was when know we were writing this album um I just I felt I felt void of any kind of joy uh-huh. and and I needed I needed Christ to rejuvenate that joy and and the holy spirit to bring that joy back sure. and that's that's why um you know the first song off our album is called I Got Joy yeah
0: yeah, yeah. I was going to ask and, you about
7: and, that yeah. Right. So, I remember praying before writing this album and saying, "Lord, you know what? I need, I need you. You need to write this album." I said, "I'll be, I'll be the instrument. (laughs) You know, um, you be the lyricist here." Yeah,
0: yeah. I was going to ask about that song because, in fact, I, I was listening to the songs and I actually thought the album was called "I Got Joy." For some reason, oh. and then I saw the I saw the email. And I went, "Oh, it's called Coming Home, really?" And then I saw the album cover, and I went, "Yeah, it's called Coming Home." But for the longest time, I thought it was called "I Got Joy." So, so there you go. Um,
7: well, yeah, I mean, and that, that that was, you know, Coming Home is when we think about, you know, being, you know, I I travel a lot, so mm-hmm. um, I, and and now I'm I moved to Michigan with my wife, yeah, you know, away from all of our family and so now i really know the important, uh, importance of home yeah um and i've always i've always felt a calling um for for home yeah and you know it's i i that's that to me that's where joy lies and and
2: mm.
7: that's you know what christ has to offer that's what our catholic faith has to offer yeah. is a home
0: yeah belonging yeah and then of Mm -hmm. course our eternal home where we are all headed absolutely amen so lee i'm so glad that we finally connected i love the music and i am sure that you're working on something else that we'll have an excuse to bring you back on the program and and learn more about you um so be sure to let us know when that next album's coming
7: definitely will thank you so much you're welcome
0: you can learn more about Lee Wrestler, his ministry, learn how you can bring him to your parish or your event. You can purchase his music at his website, leewrestlermusic.com. And just so that you know, it's wrestler is R O E S L E R, Lee Wrestler Music. But I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily at slash radio. Here now is Lee Wrestler with that song that we were talking about, I Got Joy, from his last album, Coming Home.
3: I've been down and out When the world was testing me I've been full of doubt That left me falling to my knees Thinking I can never make it out But then I got up on my feet Cause I got the thing inside of me That picks me up when I am weak I got joy I got joy I got joy. I can't help but sing Cause there's a reason to rejoice I got joy
0: We're listening to Lee Wrestler with I Got Joy from his album Coming Home and that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour If you missed any part of that conversation or to listen to the entire program go to saltandlighttv.org radio If you have any questions or comments you can reach out to me through Facebook or Twitter. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro.